We are in a sermon series called The Walk, where we are looking at the practices, the steps of the Christian life, because we know that being a Christian is more than just belief. Being a Christian is more than just who you associate with. Being a Christian also includes our habits and the way that we move and the way that we act. Last week I talked about prayer as a fundamental Christian practice. I took a look at the numbers and and what the what Pew Research says about how many people pray, we found out just over half of mainline Protestants, Protestants like us, pray daily. Uh, about a quarter pray only once a week. About 15% never pray at all is what they said. And so I, I kind of put those numbers to our congregation and I estimated that that meant 164 prayers were going up from our congregation a week which is totally wrong. That's not the right math at all. I messed up and I forgot to multiply by seven. So uh, there's about, I know, I blew it. The, I told you last week I'm not good at math. Um, but I did the numbers again and closer to 800 prayers are going up from our congregation a week, which is still good, but it's not what I want to do. I want 7,350 prayers to go up from our congregation every week. That means if everyone prays five times a day, just quick little thank you prayers when you wake up in the morning, before each meal, before you go to bed at night, 7,000 prayers will come up from our congregation. And imagine how that will change our hearts, change how we feel towards one another here in the church change how we feel and act towards our neighbors and to our community. Imagine how 7,000 prayers will change our communities through us. So that's the practice that we talked about last week. This week we're talking about wisdom, studying, getting closer to God and, and using our brains. God, the, the Bible tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about that mind, about wisdom. I remember when I was young, I was in, uh, I was young for my grade. I have a September birthday, and my parents put me into school early anyway. And so I was four when I started kindergarten. And I remember, I remember growing up and everybody telling me, oh, you're so smart, you're so smart. And I remember how good that felt being a young kid. And now I feel so terrible that my kids won't get that same treatment. I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's not their fault. I'm training them poorly. <laughs> my son, who I love, uh, Lewis, he's not one to be up in front of crowds like Clementine, his sister. He is one to rather find a book, to sit back in a corner and find somebody to read him a book or, or sit down with a maze. And here's one thing that I'm not teaching him correctly. He calls mazes a maze. And he'll say, hey, I want to play with my amaze. And I think it's so precious and so cute that I'm never going to correct him on this. He's going to have to find out the hard way when he grows up. Somebody's going to have to tell me, you think that's called an amaze? Yeah, that's what my parents taught me. Your parents are wrong. <laughs> and he's going to find out that little gap in his knowledge because he's trusted me this whole time and I haven't corrected him. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom, she's Korean, and so she spoke with a pretty thick accent. So she was the one that taught me how to speak English. Uh, so that probably explains a lot of my problems. 
when I was growing up, I thought that hot dog buns were called bonzas. And um, it wasn't until I was 14 years old and I was at a barbecue with friends and uh, we were having hot dogs. And, uh, but they didn't have any buns and so they were wrapping hot dogs around slices of bread. And uh, I remember saying to the guys, oh, do you not have any bonzas? And they were like, what? And it was one of those moments in my life where I go, uh-oh, this is a gap in my knowledge. I know that I'm saying the wrong word and I'm looking silly. And, uh, and I, I just work, you know, you know, bonzas, guys, the things that you put hot dogs in. And they're like, buns? Oh. <laughs> and I felt ridiculous. I felt ridiculous. I think sometimes we all have these gaps in our knowledge as we grow up with, and some are more ridiculous than others. At some point, I'm going to have to tell my son that they're not called amazes, but they're called mazes. The scripture tells us to go after wisdom, go after understanding. It is part of our Christian call to strive and to seek wisdom. Proverbs actually says, get wisdom, get understanding, love her, and she will protect you. The beginning of wisdom, God, get wisdom, get understanding before anything else. The, the book tells us that this is our calling, this is what we are called to do. But the question for us is, how? How do you get wisdom? Where does wisdom come from? Now, one thing is learning. You can educate yourself right? You can learn more facts, but wisdom does not necessarily follow knowledge. It doesn't necessarily, fall, necessarily follow that the more knowledge you have, the wiser you will be. Case in point, I have this magical device in my pocket. I have all of the knowledge in the world. You could ask me any question you want, and I can give you the answer. It's crazy that we all, at our fingertips, with the internet, we have all the knowledge in the world accessible at any time in our lives. And yet, it feels like the internet has made us all a little dumber. Isn't that true a little bit? The internet kind of invades us with false truth, and it makes us get worked up over different things. It makes us angry, get upset at people that we should be loving. All of knowledge is at our fingertips, but it hasn't made us wiser. It hasn't made us smarter. It hasn't given us understanding. Wisdom is the ability to know the right thing to do. Wisdom is the ability to sort good from bad. And all the knowledge in the world doesn't get us there. It was the hope. It was the hope of the Enlightenment. It was the hope of Immanuel Kant. It was the hope of Western society. All we have to do is give everybody the same information. All we have to do is get everybody educated. And then what will follow will be wisdom. And what will follow from that, morality. If everybody has all the information, if everybody has the wisdom, then everyone will do the right thing. But now we're seeing that that's just not true. Here we are at the end of the Enlightenment where every single one of us has the ability to get any amount of information at any time. 
doesn't seem to have made us more moral. doesn't seem to have given us wisdom. So knowledge is certainly a part of gaining wisdom, but wisdom does not necessarily follow straight from knowledge. So where else do we get wisdom? I don't think wisdom necessarily comes with old age. I know. I know. I'm throwing arrows this morning. I'm coming at you people. (laughs) Wisdom, we have this idea that wisdom just kind of happens with old age. That wisdom, the longer you are, the more experiences you have, you just naturally have wisdom. This just isn't true. Otherwise, the phrase old fool wouldn't exist. And certainly, certainly, I understand folks that are older, that are wiser, but I know plenty of folks that think they're wise when they aren't wise, and you probably know them as well. You're probably sitting next to one of them. And and the idea, the idea that I'm just going to get wisdom or wisdom is just going to flow into me by sheer existence, it's just not true. It's just not true. We have to, as the scriptures say, get wisdom. We have to go after wisdom. Earlier, Scott read to us uh, from James chapter 1. He talked there. James is the wisdom book of the New Testament. The Old Testament has uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job. The, the New Testament has the book of James. It's full of Proverbs. It's, it's the wisdom book of the New Testament. It says that when you go through trials and temptations, when you go through hardships, consider it joy because God is working into you. We know that tests create perseverance. We know that perseverance creates faithfulness, that God is working something into you. God is conditioning something beautiful and wise into you. And then it says, if anyone needs wisdom, they should ask. God gives wisdom. God is eager to give wisdom. So in our seeking of wisdom, the first thing we have to recognize is that wisdom is a gift. Wisdom is a gift. It's not something that we are going to create or make by raising up knowledge, but but it's a gift given to us. It's knowledge. It's It's direction, it's guidance given to us from someone that knows better than us. We know this is true. When I'm telling my children, when I'm giving them knowledge, when I'm answering their questions, I'm also helping them interpret how they should live with this knowledge. Then what should we do? Why shouldn't we be liars? Why should we be honest? Why should we be the kind of people that other people want to trust? When we give knowledge, we also impart wisdom. But wisdom has to be given. Wisdom is a gift. The scriptures say that wisdom is a gift from God. If that is true, if then wisdom is something to be received, then wisdom also requires trust or faith. It requires trust or faith. Think about it this way. When you were young and someone was teaching you math, when someone was teaching you math, when somebody was saying 2 plus 2 equals 4, you kind of you put that together and you kind of see it and you go, 
okay, this kind of makes sense. I've got two oranges over here. I've got two oranges over here. I'm going to add them up. They do add up to four. Okay, you're trustworthy. I'm on board. And then when they tell you three times seven is 21, you trust them. You don't have 21 oranges around. But you say, you know what? You were right about the two plus two thing. I think I'm going to listen to you when you tell me about three times seven. I don't know why I'm using math this morning. Maybe I'm feeling guilty about all my failures last week. (laughs) There comes a point that we have to trust our teachers. When our teachers give us knowledge, when our teachers give us wisdom, we have to just say yes. For right now and in this moment, you are the teacher, I am the student. I will trust you not to tell me lies. We have to trust our teachers. At young ages, we have to trust our parents. I say over and over to my kids when they question me, when they say, I don't believe you, or why is this happening, or you're wrong about this. Parents, doesn't it feel great when your kids tell you you're wrong about something? (laughs) Sometimes I have to get down to the level and I just say, don't you believe that I love you? Don't you believe that I want what's best for you? Don't you believe that I wouldn't lie to you? I can't explain everything to you. I just need you to trust me on this. Wisdom requires faith and trust. Gaining of knowledge requires faith and trust. Um, Anselm Canterbury said it in this way. He said it in Latin. It's credo ut intelligam, which means I believe in order that I may understand. He pulls this also from Aquinas. No, I'm sorry. He pulls this from Augustine, and Aquinas pulls it from him as well. In our Christian faith tradition has always been this understanding that if we want wisdom or if we want understanding, all understanding, all wisdom starts with trust. We got to trust our teachers. We got to trust our parents as we grow and as we gain wisdom, then we can step back and criticize and and take a critical eye. But all understanding and education begins fundamentally with trust. It's one of the reasons why we're at a crisis in our country. We don't know who to trust for the information. We don't know who to trust for the sources. And so we can't get on the same page because we we don't have a common source. There's no trust. We can't know something without trust. In our Christian world, our step of faith is to start by trusting in God. Proverbs 3.5 says, uh, Trust in the Lord always with, with all your heart and do not rely on your own intelligence. I don't say that to say uh, stop thinking. That's not at all what Proverbs is saying. It's not saying stop using your mind and just just read the book. It's all there. But Proverbs is acknowledging that all intelligence starts with trust. And for us, we start by trusting in God, the source of all love, the source of all life. We start by trusting in God. As Christians, we give thanks that God came to us in a real specific way so that we could learn exactly 
how we should live so that we can learn the wisdom from above. And so we trust not only in God above, but we trust in Jesus who shows us exactly what God is like. Wisdom begins with trust. So, how do we get wisdom? How do we use our mind? Uh, I don't think the scripture is saying don't throw or throw out your mind and stop thinking. Just read the Bible. It's all there. I don't think that that's exactly true. Um, I don't, some people say all the answers are in the Bible. And, you know, as a pastor, I'm going to say uh, it depends on the questions. Earlier this year, I needed to buy a car, and I flipped open to the book, and it didn't tell me which brand or make or model I should buy. There's some other things that we have to use to make our decisions as well. So some practicality, some practical uses. I want to talk about seeking wisdom as a Methodist. Seeking wisdom as a Methodist. We draw on four different sources that we believe God is speaking to us through. So we still trust in God, but we believe God is speaking to us through these four different sources. The first one is Scripture. God has spoken to us specifically and specially through the people of Israel and the scriptures that they have compiled. And then specifically and specially through Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And his followers, the apostles, compiled scriptures about him. And so scripture is a place where we can seek the mind of God and trust in God. But scripture alone isn't going to answer every question that, we, that comes up in our society, because the world is changing. T contexts are always changing. And so as Methodists, we also affirm and look at some other sources that God would be speaking through. The second one is tradition. I'm using the, the old language, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Tradition means the church, the gathered community, the gathered community, us here together. When we, uh, when we seek God, we seek God's will, we look to each other. We look to what God has said through the church, through the past, and through history, and what God is saying to us together now. Seeking wisdom has a communal component in that way. So we gather together in Bible studies. We come together in worship. We meet with people one-on-one -on -one with coffee, and we talk about God. And we bring up the faith because we believe God is speaking through the church, through tradition. Third reason, we believe that the best of education, or the best of faith isn't threatened by the best of education. We believe that education and faith go hand in hand, that all truth is God's truth. And so if the academy finds something that is true, then the church, Christians, should affirm the truth of that. We say, this is good. Now, we have something else to offer as well. We offer a little bit of wisdom. This morning, uh, I started the service by talking a little bit about coronavirus and the wisdom coming from the academy, the CDC, about what we should be doing. But as the church, we also have a voice there. I noticed, I noticed nowhere on the CDC website the instructions to not hate people. Shouldn't that be number one? But maybe that's not the academy's role. Maybe that's not the CDC's role. I didn't see anywhere on the website, don't be racist. <sighs> I think that that should be said. 
So church, we have a voice and a role to speak into the academy, to work together with the best of sciences to offer wisdom and the right things to do beyond just washing your hands. <laughs> we are called to participate with reason. And then finally, we believe in personal experiences, that God is speaking directly to us, that God moves us in a real and personal way. And so as we are seeking wisdom, as we are seeking how we should live our lives and, and as the ability to discern right and wrong, we use all four of these methods. We go to Scripture. God, what have you said through Israel? What have you said through Jesus? Enlighten us. Shed some light on my understanding. Talk about the church. God, what have you said through the church? What have you said throughout history? What are you saying through the community here and now? Enlighten us. We talk about reason. God, what are you saying through the academy, through the best of academics, through education? Enlighten us. Guide us. And then, through personal experience, God, how speak to me now. Give me guidance in this moment here and now. For Methodists, we lift up these four. We call it the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And we put them into conversation with one another. What is the scripture saying about this? What is the academy saying about this? What is my own personal experience saying? What has the church said about these things? And we hold them all in common together. Now it's not easy. It's not easy. When we landed on the moon in the 60s, there, was, um, there were Christians that said impossible. They're, they're moon landing deniers, right? One of the reasons why is because the Psalms say that the moon is God's footstool. And so some Christians said we could not have landed on the moon. Otherwise, we would have seen God's feet. Christians were wrestling with reason and scripture. And so for some people... When reason and scripture disagree about something, they throw out one or the other. So often Christians throw out reason, which is sad. We're called to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. Instead, most Christians, I don't know any Christians who still hold on to that. Now, most Christians have found some way to say, you know what, when the Psalms say that the, the moon is the footstool of God, um, it's metaphorical. I mean, God doesn't actually have feet. But saying that God is enthroned in creation, that God is present to us here and now. Most Christians have worked that out. We have to do that with absolutely everything because our world is always changing. We're always discovering new things. This is what wisdom is. This is the work of the Christian life, to seek wisdom through Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. It's part of our walk with God. A couple of action steps or takeaways, last things. How do, we, how do we hold this together? So the first one, first one I would say is um, study scripture. Study scripture. Know the words. 
know how the book is put together. It's not one book. It's actually a library of books. And so every uh, Sunday, I put together a, a daily devotional guide. It's called the GPS. It's on the back of the larger worship service uh, order. And uh, also, it's on our website every week under the Grow tab. You'll find Grow, Pray, Study Guide. And there it gives a daily scripture reading and a couple of thoughts uh, that I write for you. And so Monday's scripture reading always follows the sermon. Um, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have a, a reading from the Old Testament, a reading from the Psalms, a reading from a gospel, a reading from a letter in the New Testament. And then Saturday's reading is always in preparation for the next Sunday's reading. As you make it a rhythm to study Scripture, uh, know more of what God is saying through the Scripture so that we can put it in conversation with re reason, tradition, and experience. Secondly, read the news. Educate yourself. Read articles. Learn more. But do it in an attitude of prayer. Do it in an attitude of prayer. What are we, the church, bringing to the academy? What are we, the church, bringing to CDC reports? What are we, the church, how do we offer our perspective uh, from God's love into whatever the academy is bringing up? So as you read the news, as you read, as you read your books, as you grow in education, do it almost like it's worship. God, all truth is your truth. And so as I read this article, show me where you are working. Show me what you want me to see as I grow in knowledge. Do it in that way. Um, third, commit to being in worship when you are healthy and in town. This is tradition. We seek wisdom through tradition. We seek wisdom through the hymns that we sing. We seek wisdom through hopefully whatever the preacher says. We seek wisdom through what the church is saying together. So continue to seek wisdom through tradition by gathering in the church. And finally, add silence to your prayers. Seek wisdom through your own personal experience. I know, I am, I am adding on to all the work that you got to do as a Christian. So first, I want you to pray five times a day, right? Second, I want you to read scripture. Third, I want you to educate yourself and, and read books and articles, but in a prayerful way. Third, I want you to be in church as often as you can whenever you're healthier and whenever you're in town. And fourth, part of those prayers, if you got a little bit of time, add 30 seconds of silence, just meditation, just breathing. Say, God, this is your time to speak to me. You may hear something, you may not. That's okay. But God, I'm available to you. Move in me. Guide me. This is how we seek wisdom as Methodists, through scripture, tradition, reason, and our own personal experiences. We marry all these together, and hopefully we come out the other end a little bit wiser, a little bit more ready to answer the world with what is good, what is right, what is pure, what sows the seeds of peace to make justice for all. This is our call.